0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thank you for joining us as we begin our series on Just Like Jesus. So like I said, I want to talk over the next uh, weeks about Just Like Jesus. And I do want to break down today just some, some thoughts on forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very, very interesting topic. Now, let me say this. My favorite definition probably of grace is this. You might want to write it out. God is for us. And I can eliminate us and just put the word me, but if I start thinking about the grace of the gospel, God is for me. If you've repented and responded to the good news of the gospel and you've received Christ by faith, God is in us, but God is for us. And if you get gut level honest, like i I struggled with this concept uh, when I first came to faith in Christ because I knew how jacked up and wretched my past was. And it was hard for me to believe at times that God truly had forgiven me of all my junk and that he had cleansed me. And it was one of the turning points in my journey when I realized 1 John 1, 9 is true. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And walking in that forgiveness, knowing that I am totally forgiven, and through the shed blood of Christ, Russell, Andrew, even as you shared your story, it's like, man, I'm clean before the Lord. Because of Jesus, God is for us. And we want you to know, Ian, we believe in you, we're for you, we want to see you grow. Every person that comes in this room, Tiffany, we want to see people flourish in their faith, Nick. That is who we are. So at the core of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us forgiveness for all of our sin. And the forgiveness that God has extended to us, him being a loving, forgiving God, he empowers us then to extend that forgiveness To other people. God blessed us, He said, go be a blessing to others. God cares for you, He goes, go care for others. God forgives, and God goes, now I want you to go extend that forgiveness to other people. Very interesting passage in Matthew 6. Jesus uh, is talking really predominantly to a Pharisaical group here, but in Matthew 6, Jesus makes this uh, observation in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what He says If you forgive others, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He goes on to say, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Freely you have received, freely you are to give. Jesus is confronting the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in this passage here, and he has already talked about when you give, you've got to do it this way. When you pray, you need to do it this way. When you fast, everything Jesus talks about is, man, you've got to make sure your heart is right. Whether you're giving, fasting, praying, whatever you do, God cares so much about the heart. Man looks at the outward, God is focused on our hearts. And so when you look at this, this passage used to trip me up a little bit. But there's basically two uh, kinds of forgiveness being talked about uh, throughout the gospel, if you will. The one kind of forgiveness is we receive it when we come to personal faith and trust in Christ. And it's a forgiveness that we're saved of all our past, present, and future sin. What Jesus is emphasizing here is the daily walking it out. Okay, so you say that you have become a recipient of God's forgiveness. You say that you know that you're saved and you're secure. You say that you're walking in it. What Jesus is talking about here is the daily practice of walking it out every single day. Great, uh, uh, if you will, is the salvation and forgiveness of God, but it's the daily grind. And I think this is where so many people get kind of hung up, if you will. Now, whatever you've been given by God... Whatever you've been given by God, you're to extend. The earth is Lord's, the fullness therein. Everything belongs to God. God made us in his image to reflect the very essence, character, and nature of who he is. Makes sense. Now, forgiveness is not always easy. It's not always easy to receive it, and it's definitely not easy to extend it because so many of us, that coming here today, it's not that we've been hurt and wounded by people in the world, it's that people in the name of God and in the name of Christ has punctured us. So many of us walk in here today, and relationships have been treated as disposable by people that call themselves Christian, and it jacks it up for us, it muddies the water, and it gets us to a place where we're going. I don't even know who I can trust. Let me give you four simple principles, and I want to kind of unpackage and teach through this. Number one: forgiveness is not conditional. To say it another way, forgiveness is unconditional. Real, genuine, authentic forgiveness. It's not conditional. It's not something you earn. It's not something you can deserve. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can work for. It's unconditional. It's offered even when it's not asked for. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus was extending and offering forgiveness even though it wasn't being asked for. Do you get that? It is something inside of our hearts based on that we have received the forgiveness of God. We extend forgiveness even when it's not asked for. It is unconditional. Very crucial. Second principle would be this. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgiveness is not minimizing the wrong that's happened. It's not saying, well, it's no big deal. It didn't hurt. No, 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 no. If it's worth forgiving, it hurt. It created pain. It created violation, betrayal. Whatever has happened, you go, it hurt. You don't need to minimize it. When you minimize the offense, you cheapen forgiveness. I would write this down. When you minimize the offense or the wrong, you start to cheapen forgiveness. Because at the core of it, what it's saying is this, what you did hurt me, what you did violated me, what you did crushed my soul. But because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to hold that hurt against you walking into the future. I'm not going to be a prisoner of that, and I'm not going to keep you as a prisoner of it. Because Andrew, we've talked about it even as you share your story. Bitterness does more to the vessel in which it is stored than it does to the object on which it is poured. When we start to walk in bitterness, what we're doing is we're drinking poison, hoping the other person dies, and it doesn't work that way. So when you start to look at whatever's happened in your life, all of us in here have been hurt. We've been wronged. We've been violated. Every one of us were born into a sinful, fallen world, and It hurts. But when you start to minimize the wrong, you start to cheapen forgiveness. Think about it even in your vertical walk with God. Well, I wasn't that bad. Russell says, I was the chief of sinners, quoting Paul out of 1 Timothy. Man, I was the chief of sinners. I was royally jacked up. Yes. And so when we, we come to the cross of Christ and we see ourselves as vile and corrupt and dirty and dark and sinful. Lord, I need you to save me from me. I can't save myself. Third thought would be this. Oh, this is so crucial. Forgiveness is not restoring a relationship back to what it was. It's not. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness does not mean that you're gonna experience restoration of a relationship. Forgiveness is immediate. Is something between you and God. But when you are able to forgive and release it saying, I forgive that person, you're actually giving yourself a gift. You're actually receiving a gift that God wants you to have that's going to free you. But forgiveness does not mean, hey, the relationship is restored. Trust must be built over time. And as we established a few weeks ago, as we talked about trusting God, it's the same thing when it comes to trusting an individual. Trust means that whatever the object is, it must be reliable, and I must be willing to place my confidence in it. If if you're going to move deeper, you've got to ask yourself the question, when it comes to a person who's hurt you or whatever you go not reliable yet not willing to place my confidence in it yet when you start to move into this forgiveness that we're talking about here here's what ends up ends up happening forgiveness takes care of the wrong done to you when you forgive it's taking care of the wrong done to you but it does not guarantee that there's going to be restoration and the relationship's going to be back to where it used to be. It's, it's not guaranteed. If you're going to restore it, first part, you. Okay? I choose to forgive. The next part, to the violator, to the person who has hurt you. This is so crucial right here. To me, there's at least three things that's going to have to happen. One, there's got to be repentance. Repentance. And over a period of time, the person who has violated you, you've got to look to say, has there been a turning from the sin? Has there been godly sorrow that has led to genuine repentance? Is this person and has this person been living for a period of time in a repentant state? Because I think for so many, as soon as you say, I forgive you, in their mind, they hear, I trust you. No, I don't trust you. So one You've got got to stop and go, Nick, okay, has there been repentance? The second thing that's got to happen is has there been restitution? When you hurt somebody, when you wrong somebody, you've got to go make this right. I remember one of my good friends years ago was in construction, and uh, the economy got really tough, and he had to uh, file bankruptcy. But I'll never forget him looking at me saying, you know what? I owe these people, and I owe these people, and I owe these people. The law says I can sever it and just move on into the future. He goes, not before God. He goes, I'm going to make money, and slowly I will pay off every one of those people. He was making restitution. And I think we live in a society... With all these free handouts and entitlement stuff at times, and we don't see restitution. It's like, no, you you jacked it up. You you need to make it right. Okay, I'll make it right. When you hurt and wrong. Third thing would be this. So there's repentance, there's restitution, and then there's got to be the rebuilding of trust, and that takes time. That takes time. God commands me, forgive. You got to forgive. That is a command. But I am not before the Lord obligated to trust you. I've seen this happen so many times. Listen to me. Where, I'll just use the guy with gal situation. He's violated the covenant. Going back. Addicted to porn, multiple affairs. I'm sorry, God save me. Can I move back in? No chance. No chance. I was dealing with a couple recently. And he's like, well, can I come back home? And she said, yes, but I will beat the hell out of you with a baseball bat when you do. I'm like, no, dude, you ain't going back home. Not anytime soon. No. No. This girl is hurt. She's wounded. She's violated. And a lot of times I think when people hear, I forgive you, they assume restoration, reconciliation, trust. We're going to just move on back in and start dancing together. It takes time. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit. And I would even counsel people when this happens. No, don't let them move right back in. That's insane. That's insane. You're coming out of stable misery. You're coming out of chaos. Forgiveness is a transaction before the Lord. But please show yourself trustworthy. If you're authentically broken and repentant, you want to work on you before you start trying to work on y'all anyway. Four. True forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. There's so many that will tell you, oh, you have forgiven? You've got to forgive and forget. That is a cute cliche, but it's not true. When you've been hurt and wronged, you tell me how many of y'all can forget the violation that happened to you, forget the slander that happened to you, forget when somebody just degraded you to the nth degree. It's like, well, you just got to... And I've heard people in church say this noise. You just got to forgive it and forget it. I don't have the ability to forget it. But I've learned that there's something more powerful than forgetting. It's remembering, but not reliving. I, I, I remember it, but I'm not going to relive it. I'm not going to press play every time I start getting upset about something. And and the the problem with some of us is we love to just press play. I'm going to play that offense. I'm going to play that violation. And some people go to their grave with it because they keep hitting play. And it's like, all right, I'm going to remember it, but I'm not going to go back and empower it, and I'm not going to go back and relive it. Here's a second. I'm going to remember it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on how God has worked in this situation. Because of the power of the gospel, uh, the gospel of Christ, and because of the grace of the gospel, look at how God's worked in this situation. Look at how God has been glorified in this situation. I, I'm going to remember, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. And, and then the third is very similar. I'm going to remember it, but I want to see how God has brought so much good out of chaos. And, and I, I'm going to remember, but I'm not going to relive it. And, and one of the purest definitions of the word contrition, when David cries out to the Lord in Psalm 51, and David cries out after his confession, after receiving the cleansing of the Lord in Psalm 51, after consecrating his heart to the Lord, then David moves to contrition and he goes, the sacrifices of God are a broken And a contrite heart, a contrite heart God will not despise. And the word contrition means the ability to remember the pain without going back and reliving and pressing play of the act. And some of us, even when it comes to receiving God's forgiveness for ourselves, the reason so many people get stuck is because they're not living in contrition. They don't have the ability to remember the pain of what they were living in that separated them from God. They're still living in the misery, feeling like whatever that failure was defines them. And I can tell you before the Lord, whatever the offense was, if you have truly cried out to Christ, you may live with the stains and the pain of it for years. But you don't have to go back and empower the enemy of saying, hey, you've got permission to use that to attack me whenever you want to. I remember reading Jim Logan's book, Reclaiming Surrendered Ground, And when I was doing sports ministry, we were dealing with a lot of uh, sexual immorality and adulterous kind of things inside that locker room. But I remember him, when, when he talked about how his perversions had become so perverted that he couldn't even trust himself, one of the things he talked about was really being able to move to that place where he goes, God has truly forgiven me. I don't have to wallow in it. And for some of us, Our pain of the past, whether it was another person violating us or whether it was self-induced, we have used that as a hammock that we lay in instead of a springboard that leads us into the future. And I don't want to see you stuck. If we're going to forgive like Christ, we've got to receive it. Then he says, I want you to release it. Now, three simple things on forgiveness for me, okay? True forgiveness is remembering for me. It is remembering how much I have personally been forgiven. If I'm going to walk in this forgiveness, I start to remember, oh, look at how much the Father has forgiven me. Ephesians 4.32, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you, just as the Father forgave you. Hey, I want you to be kind and compassionate with your neighbor. You know how much God's forgiven you? Yes. I want you to extend it. You're not forgiven because you've earned it, because you could buy it, because you deserved it. You're forgiven because the kindness of Jesus Christ extended it your way and said, hey, you are forgiven. I will not hold anything against you any longer. How how did it work, Tim? Because I simply repented and placed my faith in Christ, I am forgiven. You remember Jesus told the story of of when he was hanging out and this lady who had like this jacked up sin track record, she came and she brought this alabaster box full of like costly perfume and she spills it before him and she begins to wash his feet and anointed him with the oil. You remember that? And all of a sudden, the the religious people started shaming her and guilting her. Look at her, harlot, jacked up, slept with everybody in town, vile, she's messy, she's trashy, look at her. And then they started saying, oh, if she would have taken this oil right here and sold it, man, we could have had so much money. And Jesus looks at those religious people and says, hush, hush. Forgiven much loves much. And we show oftentimes how much forgiveness we've stepped into by how well we love. People that are locked up, that do not love other people, and do not extend compassion and kindness to their neighbor, they're telling you, I do not walk in the forgiveness of the Lord. But people that have, I promise you, people that have been forgiven much, they just want to love much. And for her, she took the greatest thing she had and laid it before the Savior and anointed him and just says, hey, I I remember how much I've been forgiven. And when it comes to giving our time, giving our talents, giving our treasures, whatever we do, you know why a lot of people don't give, don't serve, and don't partake? Or participate because they're indicating their love to the Savior based on, I'm not walking in your forgiveness and love. But when he starts to do this renovation of the heart, again, like I said to Barb, you become a flowing stream, not a stagnant pond. You're like, thank you for what you've done inside of me. Here's a second key thing on forgiveness for me. Forgiveness is releasing my right to get even Romans chapter 12 says, don't take this vengeance into your own hands. Never take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. And I think one of the greatest definitions of forgiveness is giving up the right to get even. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to attack you. Uh, I, I'm not looking for revenge. I'm going I'm to leave it up to God here's where I've kind of gotten in my journey I'll be 57 here in like 10 days or whatever but here's here's kind of where I'm at I've met a lot of different people over the years I've never met one person that I deep down inside thought I want them to die and go to hell every person I meet I'm like oh man I prayed that they would understand the love of the father and that they would repent and respond to the gospel. They're missing out on life abundantly now, and they're missing out on the glory of being with the Father eternally. I'm like, I don't know anybody that I look at going, I just want to see them burn and go to hell. And people have said to me, well, giving up the right to get even, man, come on. That's hard. Tim, that, 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 that's, that's not easy. That's not fair. And we don't live at the fair. We live... And forgiveness, and we live in grace. And when we start to really walk this out, I'm not saying that what happened to you was not painful and troubling to your soul. But, Nick, here's what I know. Grace is what God has called us to extend. Grace is the power of the Lord being inside of me. God is for me. God is in me. He's like, you can hold that person hostage all you want to, but you're gonna become all tied up yourself and it's gonna to lead to so much worry and anxiety, stop it. When you hold on to hurt, I can promise you, you're really only hurting you. And the old cliche that hurt people hurt people and wounded people wound people, it's true. When I choose not to release it, I'm really destroying myself from the inside out. Here's a third one. True forgiveness is responding with grace. Even Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Did you hear that? Jesus said, hey, those who hate you, those who curse you, those who mistreat you, pray for them and bless them. And I think one of the greatest ways that we know that we have truly released someone is that we get to the place where we start praying for them We start praying God's blessing on them. We start praying God's intervention in their life. We start praying for them to walk in freedom. When you're able to get to a place when a name is brought up and you don't immediately just tighten up and go, man, I'd like to hit that dude. And you go, Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for forgiving me. What they did hurt. But apart from Christ, when I walk in the flesh, My flesh patterns for the first 22 years announce to me, you're capable of doing the most vile things on the planet. You're capable of jacking it up every day, 24-7. You could ruin and wreck a lot of people's lives yourself. And when I start to stop and I go, "Ah." 1 Corinthians 13, one of the verses there in, in that great love thing, he goes, love keeps no Record of wrongs. Love doesn't have a scorecard and go, all right, over the last 29 years, let's go back. I've got a notebook here of every time Barb jacked it up. No, that's not love. How much has she put up with with you? But love doesn't go over there and go, well, you remember two years ago and you remember five years ago? No. No. I, 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 I don't have ability to forget it. I'm not suffering amnesia, but when there's a tension, I don't have permission to be an archaeologist. I'm not going to dig up the past wrongs and use them as ammunition to shoot at you today. And there's so many marriages that are hanging on by a thread and so many marriages that have fallen apart. Here's the reason why. Because as soon as there's a little tension, one of the persons oftentimes is the great archaeologist. They dig up everything of the past and they just start firing it at the other person. And he goes, love, true love, doesn't have a stinking scorecard. Put it down. Love releases it. And and here's here's a crucial teaching in this one, Butch. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. Forgiveness oftentimes is a continual thing. I forgave you, and I know I have, but there are certain things that hit me at times that I have to release it again and again. And even Peter, Lord, come on. I mean, according to the rabbinical system, three times is all a a rabbi was pretty much required. How about seven? If we get to seven, that's a good number of forgiveness. And Jesus says, stop, Peter. It is 70 times seven. It is infinite. If you're walking in forgiveness every day, you're receiving the forgiveness of the Lord every day. And you're extending it to other people. And you really do get to a place where your heart breaks for other people. And you go, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Deep down inside, their why is misaligned. I mean, they're hurting people. They're continuing to violate people. But Nick, if I'm walking in it, let it go, dude. Now, I'm not saying you trust them. Now, trust can be reestablished, praise God. But I'm not saying trust them. There's a time of seeing repentance, possible restitution when needed, and you give it some time. They really have changed. That's good. They're changing. I don't know if I'm willing to dance with you yet, but I'm at least willing to say hello to you at the party. And I think a lot of us, we we do. I had that conversation with a person this week. I love you. I forgive you. But I don't trust you. All right, so here's the close. Here's the close. Number one, I will extend forgiveness to others because God has truly forgiven me. I'm going to forgive you. Why? It's a command, but I've received it. I don't want to walk around in hurt and shame and guilt and just live in stinking bondage anymore. I'm going to forgive you. God tells me to forgive. Oh, I'm going to walk in it. Second thought, I will extend forgiveness because I realize the alternative is bitterness. Bitterness and resentment will absolutely kill you. It doesn't work. You deal with people who are bitter and mad and so upset. Chet, Richard, we counsel with people. We go, oh, they're getting destroyed. They won't let it go. Oh, i got to let it go. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no root of bitterness spring up amongst you. Wherefore, by this root of bitterness, oh, so many people are defiled. When, when you choose to hold on to this this hurt and pain and you don't release it and the root of bitterness springs up inside of you, you know what you end up doing? You end up creating collateral damage with everybody around you. Man, some of y'all just spent Thursday with some people over this past week with cutting turkey, and you're, you, you walked away going, praise God I'm not them. I can't imagine having to live in that person's body every day. Lord, please help them see the light. Please. Some of y'all just spent that week, spent these last few days with somebody, and there's smiles on so many of your faces going, you're doggone right I did. <sighs> Here's a third one. I will extend forgiveness because God empowers me and inspires me to do so. I don't have the power to do it on my own. I promise you, I need the saving, grace, powerful, hopeful, healing of Jesus deep down inside my soul. I can't do it. And I do think that the reason for so many, the reason you're still holding on to the pain of yesterday or the wound or the rejection is because you haven't received his forgiveness yet. And Andrew, we know, Russell, we know when you're able to receive that forgiveness of the Lord, oh, then whatever. I I can't look back going, well, the reason I was a porn addict and the reason I had multiple affairs is because when I was 12, my uncle introduced me to penthouse. No, I made the stinking choices to do what I did. That happened. That was a violation. But I release you. You didn't make me do what I did. I chose just to keep walking in the excitement of the forbidden to arouse my flesh. Because I didn't want to honor God. And once you repent and you fall in love with the the Jesus of of, of, of the gospel of Christ, when you fall in love with him, you go, Thank you for loving me and forgiving me the way you have. And I promise you, you release that to other people. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring if you have any questions you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church 770-554-3322 thanks again for watching